Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, The Lord Preserved David Whithersoever He Went. It shall be focused on a study of 1 Chronicles chapter 18. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we read in the scriptures and see the mighty men who were David's generals and the battles they fought, and, and Lord, we even recognize that these men, and some of them described as having killed 300 men on their own, and Lord, some fought, Lord, through miles and miles to go and get water in Bethlehem for David, and we recognize, Father, that these men were men of valor, not because of their own brilliance, but the anointing of the Holy Ghost was upon them to establish the kingdom of David so your word would come to pass. So, Father, help us not to glorify men, but to recognize the God in the man. For we know when you came down to Moses, you said, I have heard the cry of my children, and I have come down to deliver him. But you then said, you would be sending Moses to go to deliver them. For, Lord, the revelation there is you were in Moses going to deliver him. So it's an amazing thing that when you send a man, you're with him and even in him. So we thank you for that promise that you said, a little while the world shall see you no more, but we shall see you, for you shall be with us, even in us to the end of the world. Be with us today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to 1 Chronicles chapter 18. Chapter 18 Now after this it came to pass, that David smote the Philistines and subdued them, and took Gath and her towns out of the hand of the Philistines. And he smote Moab, and the Moabites became David's servants, and brought gifts. And David smote Hadarezer, king of Zobah, unto Hamath, as he went to establish his dominion, by the river Euphrates. And David took from him a thousand chariots, and seven thousand horsemen, and twenty thousand footmen. David also hocked all the chariot horses, but reserved of them an hundred chariots. And when the Syrians of Damascus came to help Hadarezer king of Zobah, David slew of the Syrians two and twenty thousand men. Then David put garrisons in Syria Damascus, and the Syrians became David's servants, and brought gifts. Thus the Lord preserved David, whithersoever he went. And David took the shields of gold that were on the servants of Hadarezer, and brought them to Jerusalem. Likewise from Tibhath, and from Khan, cities of Hadarezer, brought David very much brass, wherewith Solomon made the brass and sea, and the pillars, and the vessels of brass. Now when Tu, king of Hamath, heard how David had smitten all the host of Hadarezer, king of Zobah, he sent Hadoram, his son, to King David, to inquire of his welfare and to congratulate him, because he had fought against Hadarezer and smitten him, for Hadarezer had war with two, and with him all manner of vessels of gold and silver and brass. Them also King David dedicated unto the Lord, with the silver and the gold that he brought from all these nations, from Edom and from Moab and from the children of Ammon and from the Philistines and from Amalek, Moreover, Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, slew of the Edomites in the Valley of Salt, 18,000. And he put garrisons in Edom, 
and all the Edomites became David's servants. Thus the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. So David reigned over all Israel and executed judgment and justice among all his people. And Joab, the son Zeruiah, was over the host, and Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilad, recorder, and Zadok, the son of Ahitab, and Abimelech, the son of Abiathar, were the priests, and Shavshah was scribe, and Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Kerathites and the Pelathites, and the sons of David were chief about the king. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, Go Tell My Disciples. This was preached in 1953 on April the 5th. We'll begin at paragraph 50 up to paragraph 87. I trust you find it to be a blessing. I think of David when he was getting old, being a great king that he was. God had swore to him, according to the fruits of his loins, he'd raise up Christ to sit on his right hand. Then I see David when he was old, getting down to the end of his road. All the physical strength was just about gone. He said, moreover, my flesh shall rest in hope because he'll not suffer his Holy One to see corruption, neither will he leave his soul in hell. He foresaw Jesus, the resurrection of Christ, and knowing that his body would not stay in the dust of the earth, but it would rise again. I think of Abraham back there when God set him down and said, Now, Abraham, you're getting old and you're past the age, you and Sarah both, but you're past the age of having children, but I'm going to give you a son of promise. Then how Abraham took his journey and went into a promised land and waited there for the time that this blessed one would come, which would represent Christ Jesus. And after 25 years of believing this promise, just before the promises fulfilled, then God appeared to Abraham and showed him that in death he would crucify his son, and in resurrection he would raise him again and would give him all, make the shatters fail, all things that have been haunting around man of death and what horror death had would fail when they seen this. And he gave old Abraham a preview of it. And he passed through these pieces of animals that he had cut up for we just taken a few weeks ago, or last week, rather, or week before last, in our services of how that he made this little white light, which was God passed through these, confirming the oath of the covenant, and then turned and blessed Abraham. And an old man, a hundred years old, and a woman at ninety turned back to a young man and a young woman again and brought forth the a son, Isaac, which in him come out the seed of Abraham, out of Ab- out of that, out of Isaac come David, out of David come Christ, out of Christ come the resurrection from the dead. What a glorious promise. How God down through the age foreshadowed all these things. Then finally, and as we have tucked in the last few days for a background of how that all the people All the prophets of the Old Testament specify their place of burial. Today you'll go to the graveyard, many of you, put flowers on your loved ones or on their graves. Now, watch this. All of the prophets of old, not having any scripture to go by as we have, any divine promise of God, only through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. 
man of old, as they was moved by the Holy Spirit, wrote the Word of God. Each one of them, when they died, they specified they wanted to be buried in Palestine. They did not want to be, they died out of Palestine, many of them, but wanted to be buried in Palestine because God gave the first fruits of the resurrection out of Palestine. Then when along came Jesus, they'd done to him what they said they would. When he was born in Bethlehem, he came in by the way of a stable door, went out through capital punishment. While he was here on earth, he never made a 50-mile journey in his life. He never went anywhere around Palestine, yet the message of his gospel has traveled to every cracking corner of the world. He never wrote a book in his life, yet the book was written of him, has outsold every book in all ages, the Bible. And yet, in there, he never had, a, never went to a college in his life, and yet there's been more colleges erected in his honor than, than any other thing has been up on the face here to any other name or any other man. And he never went very far. He lived a humble old life. He was made fun of, scoffed, laughed at, and he said that he had power to lay his life down and power to raise it up. Any man can make boasts like that. Anyone can. But he proved his contention when he rose on Easter morning. When they pierced his hands and his and his feet and his side and thorn crown on his head, and he died down there screaming for mercy at Calvary. When he was on earth, he looked like a man and he acted like a man. And when he died there at Calvary, he screamed for mercy like a man. But when he rose up on Easter morning, he proved he was more than a man. He was God. He had power to lay his life down. Now, the first thing on the morning, the little group of disciples were all heartbroken. They didn't know what had taken place. Some of them wanted to return back to their fishing nets. Now there's a little preview of what death was and how horrible death was and through the founders down through our Christian religion, how the promises is given down through these patriarchs that I've mentioned this morning. Now let's come right down to home where it's at. These little disciples, after the little band that was hated in the beginning, they had not many friends of this earth, and any man that serves Jesus Christ will not have many friends of this earth. You have to stand on your conviction alone. Many times you have to stand by yourself, but he promised he would stand with you. I'll go with you even to the end. And now, while I see him, let's look at it. You've been taken away. They expected because he could do miracles. And he claimed he did nothing in himself but what the Father showed him. But he, he was a miracle worker. And when he was given into the hands of Pilate, how could they expect to see the Messiah of God stripped down with his clothes and stand there and beaten and bruised and mashed and crushed and spit on and not even open his mouth and say a word? That had broken their hearts. The very man who could stretch his hand out and say, Be still, and the winds and the waves obey the one who could stop a funeral procession and lay his hand upon the casket and say, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he come forth. One who went into a heartbroken home where a daughter just died, Jerias, a little priest who had set himself with Jesus and became a believer. And he walked in and said, Give peace because the damsel is not dead, she sleepeth. Surely they would have known. Surely there was something there. He walked in, took her by the hand. Look at it. And said, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. 
and a girl that was dead in her soul gone stood to her feet and lived again. How that he went to the grave of Lazarus crying like a man, the tears rolling down his cheeks as he wept and stood there and a man that had been dead four days and the skin worms crawling in and out of his body but seeing him raise his little figure like that that I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Think of it. He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. What a hope we have this morning, then, when we visit our graves to our loved ones. What a hope we have in this mortal flesh today as the Holy Spirit bears record he lives. Shall never die, has everlasting life. Yet we pack the bodies over the grave of the saintless of us, but inside they are alive. They're living somewhere. When he stood, said, I am the resurrection and life. And there was a man laying there. He said, Take away the stone and the contamination of his body, that odor of a human body. You know what it is? When they raised up, what was a sickly smell around there? But he spoke out and said, Lazarus, come forth. And a man that had been dead four days rose up from the grave. How could they see a man with that kind of a power hanging on Calvary with the great mocking gobs of soldier spit that made fun of him, dropping from his beard while he jerked handfuls of beard from his face and hit him on the head and said, prophesy and say who hit you. When you see Roman nails drove into his hands and into his feet, how could they see a man like that die? Because God required judgment and Christ took our judgment. How they were so disappointed they went away to their fishing nets again. Peter said, I go fishing. The disciples said, I'll just go with you. They, did. they were all together, torn up, disappointed. There they took his body down, wrapped it in some linen, and laid it in the grave and said, that's the finish of that fanatic. How the world was against him. They said he was a holy roar. He was insane. He was, he was a fanatic and so forth. But he said he was God. He looked like him. He acted like him. He proved he was God. That's right. A woman said not long ago, as I've said this many times, she said he wasn't divine, Brother Branham, a Christian science woman. She said he was only a man. Said he was just man. I said he was more than a man. He was God. I said he was either God or a deceiver. She said, well, because he cried at the grave of Lazarus, he proved that he wasn't nothing but a man. I said, when he was crying, he cried like a man. But when he rose the dead, he proved he was God. That's right. I said, when he was hungry, he hungered like a man. But could you imagine a man uh, standing around a fig tree trying to find something to eat? And a few days later, picked up a few biscuits, about two biscuits and two or three pieces of fish and fed 5,000 people with cooked fish. Amen. Could you imagine a man standing on Calvary, hanging there between the heavens and the earth, crying, I thirst, I thirst, and turned even water to wine. The very creator of, of the water standing there streaming for water. He becomes sin for us that we in his poverty might be made rich. He, in his death, he died like a sinner that us and our death could die sons and daughters of God. I think of what a difference between death and old Daddy Hayes down here when he was dying, he called his children to the bedside. And there, he'd been laying in a coma for two or three days. He had a bye where he said, Dear, bless my soul. He called his children to the bedside. Long, white, flowing beard. 
He said, Dear bless my soul, you thought Daddy Hay was dead. He said, I'll never die because Jesus lives. I live also. Amen. And there he blessed each one of his children. said, Raise up my hands. He couldn't hold his hands up. One of his boys got on one side, raised that hand. The other raised that hand. He began to sing as his eyes began to look up towards heaven. He said, Happy day, happy day since Jesus washed my sins away. He taught me how... To, let me pray and live rejoicing every day and close his eyes and went out to meet God. I tell you, that's the way I want to go. That's the way. Let me die in Jesus Christ. As we get towards the end of this episode, we end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking to us. We thank you for your word today that you said it shall not return unto you void like the water comes out of heaven to water the vegetation of the earth and brings it forth to life. May your word, your waters of separation, wash all the dross and the sin out of our lives. And Lord, prepare us as a sacrifice unto the kings and priests offering sacrifices of praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, we'd really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. Call from heaven's pole.
天后。